Okay, welcome to today's episode of Vibration Issues with Dynamometers and Flywheels podcast. We have a special guest with us today, Dr. Andy Bashford. He comes from the Fruid past. He's working in other areas, so welcome, Andy. Thank you very much, Mike. Why don't you get us up to speed, Andy, as far as your background and what you're what you've done with when you were with Fruid, and then what you're up to now. Okay. Yes. Um, so. I started off as a mechanical engineer, did a degree in mechanical engineering, and then uh, moved my way into a postgrad position, uh, doing a PhD in ultrasonics for non-destructive testing, which gave me a lot of vibration and acoustic knowledge, and uh, joined Frude there afterwards, um, which uh, utilized a lot of my mechanical engineering degree, and uh, was with Frude for 19 years. Impressive. Uh, a lot of fun. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, and, and the short story on that one is... I've known Andy for quite some time. Early on in my career, Andy was working on selling product for Fruit, and that's where I first met him. In fact, when I interviewed at the company of Fruit, I made a phone call to talk to him and say, what's Fruit all about and that good stuff? So he, he had nothing but good things to say about Fruit, and on we went. So welcome, Andy, and to dive right into it, what I want to talk about and get your perspective on, because you've got a lot of background, is vibration as it relates to rotational equipment, such as dynamometers or flywheels. So can you explain a little bit about the vibration aspect, what it is, what it means, and why is it so important to rotational equipment? Sure. I mean, vibrational issues can be heard audio or not heard, but picked up by your instrumentation. So either way, it's not desirable, especially from a dynamometer point of view. Your load cell or torque flange can pick it up and uh, distort your results. So um, ideally, we uh, need to eliminate it, especially with a lot of the fruit equipment where you're rotating at about 32,000 RPM. I think that's the max. That yep. It can be detrimental and actually break your driveline and more. So it's something that to be taken seriously here. So when we talk about that, can you dive a little bit more into the detail when we talk about what it means? So the vibration aspect of it and being detrimental and you say it can be catastrophic if it's beyond reasonable limits. So how do you look at vibration? What are the the basics behind vibration and, and how you evaluate vibration? So really what you need, it all depends what you're doing. I mean, for example, if you're testing a big diesel, that diesel engine is probably going to have more vibration than, than uh, the rest of the driveline. And why is that? Um, it's, it's because of the uh, high compression and the uh, combustion of the diesel engine. Mm-hmm. Your torque spikes are about five times more than your nominal torque that the engine's producing. So mm-hmm. you're getting these impulses that are going into the system. Mm-hmm. And when you get an impulse in the system, it's like generating all the frequencies, a wide bandwidth. Mm-hmm. And your system is going to select a frequency that it likes to resonate at. And if it's not damped, that resonance is just going to build and build and build until you get a, a failure. Now, it's it's not common to get a failure on that fact, but it can happen. Uh, there was a famous uh, bridge that I think the wind caused the resonance and it just whole collapsed. Yeah, I think I've seen videos like that, the black and white videos that show the, the bridge. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, you just have to watch out for it that, that it can get out of control there. So if I'm a customer that just purchased a dynamometer and I'm trying to understand maintaining the dynamometer and recognizing if there's a vibration issue, 
how big is this vibration? How do, how do you look at it? How do you know that obviously everything vibrates to a certain extent? Is there a limit or some kind of set point that you say, if it vibrates beyond this, then you potentially have a serious issue? Or how do you know? What, what do you do? Yeah, it depends uh, on how accurate the results you're looking at. For example, on a dynamometer, you can do some filtering. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of data acquisition systems have bandwidth filters built in and so forth so you can or you can do some averaging of the data mm-hmm. which will give you a quasi real time delayed data there and you can get away with that if you're just looking for sort of nominal torque or nominal power but if you're looking for a high resolution transient type results then you really want to try and eliminate the vibration there and that's where tri-axis accelerometry if you've got one comes into play so for the audience what is an accelerometer okay an accelerometer um now just to give you a bit of background i worked for a uh, sensor company recently so um, if you can picture a piezoelectric effect uh, wafer where if you distort it it has a charge Mm -hmm. on there then you put that through a charge amplifier so a vibration will move this wafer back and forth and you can measure the difference in charge that is produced and that will give you a proportional signal to the vibration okay and the key to putting an accelerometer in there is again like i said triaxial so you've got the horizontal to vertical plane and Mm -hmm. uh where x y and z yep on there as well so you're measuring three different planes of vibration correct okay correct correct um I mean, uh, to be honest with you, the majority of it will be in the vertical plane. Mm-hmm. And but why is that? Just the nature of the vibration. If you've got a, um, say, if you had a tube that was long and thin, that mm-hmm. was a structural tube, it will have more amplification or more movement in the X direction than it would in the Y. Okay. X being the horizontal there. Okay. So the key to using an accelerometer is you need to have some sort of clue on the, on the frequency that you want to be looking at because you've got to pick an accelerometer that has the bandwidth or the response that is flat uh, in that area there. So right. accelerometers, they ramp up and then you you say, okay, well, I've got a flat response area and then uh, my cutoff frequency is, you know, 5% change in either direction, the low and the high part of it as well. So a lot of data acquisition systems will have the ability to measure Mm -hmm. uh, the vibration just simply from the load cell or something like that. But ideally, you need an oscilloscope and a charge amplifier. Then you can actually see uh, the real signal. When we're talking about vibration and the measurement of vibration, what are some of the things that contribute to vibration issues what are things that we need to be concerned about when we're setting the equipment up obviously drive line alignment is one if your system has been working fine for a long long time and suddenly it's producing a vibration you want to be looking at things like the bearing what has changed what is wearing and just as a general rule if you measure the frequency of the vibration and it comes out to be two times rotational chances are you could be pointing to a bearing. And to find out which bearing, then you put a thermocouple on there and see which one is ra- the temperature is rising above the nominal. If you're at one time rotational, then it can be a misalignment or an unbalanced shaft flywheel or something to that nature there. 
So what are the some of the things, have you experienced any things in regards to issues of, I think you mentioned it earlier, about vibration-related issues? Because they aren't the easiest problems to solve sometimes. No, no. I mean, um, you you got to do some detective work with vibration. You get a clue. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, two times or one time rotational, where to look. And then from that point onwards, it's placing accelerometer to uh, different places and see where it, the amplitude grows. So your frequency will stay the same, but the amplitude of the vibration will grow, and then mm-hmm. you can pinpoint. A bit like you know, if you think your alternator's out in your car, you put a screwdriver on the top of it, and you can listen to the head of the screwdriver. <laughs> that dates both Andy and I, because yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what he's talking about. Um, so, I mean, you just got to play around and see home in on where the source of the vibration can be coming from. Also, you can, with vibration, you can get secondary effects, so two times the vibration. So you've got harmonics that come through, but they're of less amplitude. And if you sort out the first, the harmonics will mm-hmm. will disappear. But one thing that people don't realize is change the scan rate when you are using accelerometer. The reason being is that if you're too low of a scan rate – you get what's called aliasing and the system determines that you have a lower frequency than what you have because it doesn't have the resolution to gather the information between each successive scans. And to make sure you haven't got an alias signal is change your scan rate and make sure that that signal stays the same. Then you know it's real. That's good. Yeah, and then also right at the beginning, uh, you get trigger data as well. So you want to eliminate that, but that tends to be right at the beginning of the trace. Very interesting. Good observation, a good tip, actually. From from my past, they seem to be, vibration issues can be very challenging. And, and some of the times you go down that path of trying to diagnose where it's actually starting from. And a lot of people get tricked, including myself sometimes in the, early on in regards to thinking the source of the vibration is in one location when it's actually being induced in another location. Been on customer sites and we've gone through the same processes is when you, you kind of cringe a little bit and you say they're having a vibration problem. Well, we know when it leaves the factory, we've vibration tested the various pieces of equipment. Now, sometimes all the equipment can't be tested all together where the end result is it's mounted and installed at the customer site, and then we recheck vibration levels when it's on site at the customer. So I find it very interesting, a very interesting topic. Andy is what I would call pretty much an expert when it comes to vibration and vibration analysis. So it's always a treat to listen to what he has to say about vibration. And I do appreciate you coming on this podcast today because it's very informative. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Dino Insights presented by Fruid. If there are any engine testing topics you'd like us to discuss, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at podcast at fruitdino.com.